the Desks and Dusters, PBJ Cleaning Depot's very own podcast. We are going to have so much fun on this adventure together. We are going to talk to our reps. We are going to talk to my fellow employees. And we're going to see what's going on right here in our own community. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Welcome to episode six of Desks and Dusters. I'm your host, Caitlin Kilgore. Now, today's date is October 23rd, which means we are just mere days away from this spooky season of Halloween. Today's topic of the episode is going to be focused on PPE. We're going to talk about that in a second because there's lots to get into and we have a special guest, Nurse Keeley, all the way from our nation's capital in Ottawa. First thing I want to talk about is, have you guys been outside today? It's beautiful. It's 20 degrees outside. We haven't seen this kind of weather in quite some time, so get outside Get some vitamin D, get that fresh air into your lungs and enjoy it while you can because pretty soon your eyelashes are going to be freezing together when you blink. And I might be the only one who's excited for that because as everyone knows, I love winter. I'm basically Elsa. So this week's weekly topic is going to be on PPE. The reason we're going to talk about that is because it's new in a lot of positions to people. But what a lot of people don't know is we've been using PPE in our everyday lives for quite some time, depending on what your job is. So what is PPE? By definition, personal protective equipment is something you would physically wear that's going to protect you from injury or infection. Obviously, depending on your place of work, it's going to be different depending on the materials you're working with. What is in your work environment that might be hazardous is also going to differ the PPE you use. For example, I used to work retail. I worked at a shoe store. We would unload shipment and we would load shipment. When we were using big boxes and having to lift these things or we were loading shipment into top stock onto our shelves, we would wear a back brace. That way it would help with putting resistance on our lower back when lifting. We'd also have to do proper training on how to lift and use PPE properly. Like for for example, we know to lift with our legs, not our back. Now, PPE was more obvious in my next job because I was a cleaner. I was a cleaning lady. And what we would do is we would go to construction sites and we would clean new homes So before you move in, we would clean it. But prior to that, there's other cleaning steps to help get rid of everything that gets tracked through, all the construction, the drywall, the sawdust, all that stuff. But because even though I wasn't a construction worker, I wasn't working outside where the hazards were, I was still entering an active construction site, which meant that I had to wear, by law in my position, a hard hat, and steel-toed shoes in case anything happened. So, depending on your job, there's lots of different PPE. Construction sites, factories, everywhere you work, there's going to be something. But due to COVID-19, PPE is now part of our daily, everyday lives outside of the workplace. So, this week, I sat down with my cousin Keely, who was a nurse all the way out in our nation's capital in Ottawa. Now, things obviously are much different in Ottawa, but 
because of what they're experiencing compared to us, she has been dealing with things differently. Their hospital has had to deal with things differently. So I decided to ask her about what kind of personal protective equipment they use in hospitals prior to COVID-19. Uh, when, when do you use PPE? How do you know what PPE to use in what circumstances? And and who's 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 telling us all this? So a lot of great answers coming up. A lot of great information coming your way. I'm so excited about this interview. So please welcome for our next segment, Ask a Pro, Nurse Keeley. All right, everybody. Today's guest comes all the way from our nation's capital in Ottawa. She is a nurse. She has been on the front lines ever since all this has happened. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. And welcome to Desks and Dusters, Keely. Hi, Caitlin. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and just to talk about, you know, all this information that we have with COVID. And uh, yeah, I'm a nurse. I work in an, uh, an emergency department in Ottawa, and uh, I'm also currently studying in my master's. Um, so I'm learning how to research. So this kind of ties hand in hand with everything that's going on with COVID. So yeah, it's nice to be here to answer some questions. Perfect. So we're kind of focusing towards PPE because a lot of people don't know what PPE really is. They think it's new. When people use PPE every day in their everyday life, whether you're on a construction site, it's a hard hat and safety boots, whether you're a crossing guard and it's your safety vest, like PPE is something you physically wear. So what's the basic PPE that you would see in a medical facility and in a hospital prior to when COVID started on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so like you said, lots of different jobs use PPE, essentially anything that a job would need to protect its workers from its environment or anything that um, if you're a construction worker, you might need a mask, you know, to protect against breathing in droplets. Um, so in healthcare, essentially, we wear PPE kind of as a barrier to help prevent exposure to any sort of infectious disease or viral illness. Um, so that includes, you know, um, protecting our lungs and our respiratory system by wearing a mask, protecting our scrubs by wearing a gown, um, protecting our hands by wearing gloves, um, and obviously hand sanitizer when you take off the gloves and the PPE. So yeah, the most basic stuff we use are uh, gowns, gloves, and a medical grade mask that has a visor that also covers your eyes. Um, so those are kind of the most basic forms of PPE that we use. Awesome. So everyone's been to a hospital pretty much at one point in your life, whether you're visiting somebody and whether you're a patient there. Um, now it's much different. Unfortunately, for our listeners who don't know, I have quite a bit of experience with staying in a hospital during COVID. I had a four-night, five-day, all-inclusive stay at a hospital back in May, and then I recently had another stay back in September. So I have firsthand been able to see what some of that upped PPE is. And what I noticed is everyone is PPE'd. That sounds funny to say. They have protection <laughs> equipment on now from their head to their toes. The one thing I was wondering about is what is the purpose of the, the head gowns, the head caps that they're wearing now, even in the ER and in admitted rooms? Yeah, so um, a lot of the information we get for PPE and like how we wear it and how it's regulated comes from um, people who know this stuff best. So a lot of the um, people who regulate it include like Health Canada, the Center for Disease Control, our local public health unit. So they give us kind of the guidelines of when we should be wearing certain things. 
Um, so like I said, the most common PB we wear are gowns, gloves, and a medical grade mask with a visor that covers our eyes. So the gowns, you know, cover your shoulders and your arms and they go down pretty much all the way down to your shin. So it covers the majority of your scrubs that could come in contact with any fluid or droplets. And then your mask covers your mouth and your nose and the eye shield covers your eyes. Um, the hair shields are sometimes used in specific, like, uh, specific situations. Let's say if you're in the operating room or um, if you're in a special situation where, you know, someone is in distress and they need to have the breathing tube put into their lungs. Um, a hairnet just provides a bit of extra safety um, for the droplets that might go into your hair. Um, I don't think they're recommending wearing hairnets all the time um, because patients are wearing masks and all the medical professionals are wearing masks, so there's less droplets actually going around. Um, so from day to day, you probably wouldn't wear them, but for special situations, um, you would wear them. Um, yeah. For sure. Now, there's other things, too, like in the hospitals that you have to up. So there's different things you're dealing with, such as contagious patients, uh, different outbreaks of different illnesses and diseases. Um, you never know, like head lay, someone comes in with stuff like that, it can go out, ORs and surgery. So there's a lot of different things that you guys have to go through when it comes to PPE and understanding that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, obviously, is what everyone's talking about is COVID-19. And you were a part of the first drive-through center for COVID testing in Canada, correct? Uh, yes, I was. Back, I think it was back in April, I think, back in the spring. Now talk us through back in the spring when, when the pandemic, there was a lot more paranoia and unknown for people going on because it was so new. What was it like working in a situation like that? Um, it was pretty scary. I mean, anytime you work in the emergency department, you know that you're going to be exposed to are possibly exposed to different infectious illnesses. You know, people come in with vague symptoms and you don't necessarily know what's going on as soon as they step foot into the door. And then a couple hours later, after you do some testing with x-rays or blood work, or, um, you get to learn kind of what's going on and you can be like, oh my goodness, this patient has tuberculosis. You know, they need special isolation protocols. And it's a little scary because you don't have all the information up front when you're working in the emergency department. So um, you really do have to be very careful. And I think COVID has reminded us of that. Um, and then this um, drive-through ex um, experience with the COVID swabbing, essentially what had occurred is we were having such a backlog of people who needed to be swabbed from recent travel. So a lot of people had traveled overseas or traveled um, to the States and had come back to Canada and, you know, have these symptoms. They're not sure if they have COVID. They're terrified. Um, you get this kind of mass panic because everyone is, you know, afraid of what's going on. And uh, so we had a huge backlog of um, tests to be done in the city and we just didn't have the space or resources to test everyone. So uh, one day it was decided that in order to get some of these tests done, they were going to do like a drive-through clinic with appointments. Um, and they ended up getting through the whole backlog of people needing to be swabbed and just, you know, gave a bit of breathing room essentially because we didn't know where we were going to do all these swabs or um, how to handle this volume of people. Um, so it was pre a pretty busy time and a scary time for healthcare workers, for patients, for their families. Um, we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know what to expect. We saw Italy. We saw um, China, you know, uh, how their healthcare systems kind of collapsed and it was scary. We didn't want that to happen. And um, I think we've done a pretty good job at dealing with COVID overall. It's a tough thing to deal with in terms of the economy and 
dealing with the viral illness and keeping everyone safe and healthy. So this definitely was a scary time for sure. Um, not that I'm less scared now. I think there was more science and you understand it a bit better. Back in February, March, April, it was all very new. We just didn't know what was going to come. Every day was a guess. Like, is someone going to walk through the door with COVID? Who knows? How infectious are they? Um, so I think we're better prepared now than we were um, back then. And we've learned a lot, which is, which is all you can hope for <laughs> during a pandemic. So exactly. Knowledge is key in all of this. Now, in the hospitals, what is kind of the steps of going through when somebody comes in and is a confirmed COVID patient or is awaiting a, t a test result for COVID? What kind of ups, not, not PPE, but different things, what kind of protocols and different steps are you following to make sure that you guys are staying safe? And if you do have an infectious patient, how to keep them properly isolated and not have it spread. Yeah, for sure. That's obviously really important for staff, for patients, for families. We still have to find a way to, the hospital still has to run, surgeries still have to happen, women in labor still have to come in and give birth during COVID. Those things don't stop just because of a pandemic. So we do really have to do extra screening and make sure our, our patients and our staff are safe during this because life doesn't stop just because of everything that's going on. So um, there's a lot of different protocols that have come in place. So the Ministry of Health um, has been really helpful with um, guidelines for different hospitals. They kind of analyze all the evidence um, with Health Canada and public health. Um, and uh, so they've given us extra screening questions. So we screen probably for like 15 different symptoms. Um, more than we normally would, you know, for pneumonia or something, what we used to be worried about before COVID. Um, so we screen for those at, at the first contact and emerge. Every patient has to be screened. Um, family members usually aren't admitted into the hospital except for um, extending, extending circumstances. Um, and also in terms of screening, um, you know, we ask about recent COVID swabs, recent exposures, the hard thing about eMERGE as well, um, in terms of other areas, is people come, in, people come in with symptoms, but they may not have been swabbed just yet or recently within the past couple of weeks. You don't know if they have COVID, so you have to be extra cautious. Um, but if someone walks through the door um, having been swabbed for COVID, or um, I guess worst case scenario is being positive for COVID, which we are seeing. Um, so we do ask for that at the front door. And then there's usually extra isolation space. So the patient would sit in a room on their own. They wouldn't sit with the main population of other patients. Um, and the most important thing is keeping the patient isolated, asking them to wear their mask. You do extra cleaning where they were. Um, and the nurse, um, nurse and staff, I guess, um, they try to limit their contact as much as possible. So. There's this concept in healthcare called clustering care. So you want to go in and you want to do a couple of things you need to do all at once instead of going in 10 times. So you want to limit your contact as much as possible. Um, so that's so again, um, every hospital has different protocols, but usually there's a different isolation space where these patients can wait away from the other population of patients. Um, and then staff are just extra careful with cleaning and with protocols. Um, to make sure that they stay safe. And so far it seems to work. Um, lots of staff have seen COVID positive patients, including myself, uh, and I've been lucky enough not to contract it. So good news. <laughs> exactly. Like when I was in the hospital in Kitchener, um, they had tape on the floor 
that said six feet to head of bed. So they knew once they crossed that line, they were within the six feet range. They needed to have PPE on head to toe behind that line. They could kind of just like hang out at the door, see if I was okay. I saw all the upped cleaning practices. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I kind of found cool was where my room was. I could see the whiteboard and I was right at the nurse's st station. So I could see I was on the floor with everyone else who had been admitted awaiting their COVID test results. So I could see who was tested when their test results came through. Was it positive? Was it negative? I watched COVID positive patients be wheeled to the COVID floor where they were obviously all in isolation. And then unfortunately, if it worsens, the next step is respirators. What exactly does a respirator do? Um, do you mean like a respirator mask or, uh, or if like a patient a was to be put on a, on like a respirator ventilator, okay. what is that doing for the patient? How is that helping them? Um, yeah, so essentially, um, ventilator is kind of worst case scenario where the patient is not doing well, um, and they're not breathing efficiently. And if you don't intervene, you know, there's always a risk that, you know, something major could happen. So, um, sometimes patients need to have the tube down their throat to be put on a ventilator. So a ventilator helps a patient to breathe kind of while they're in the worst of it. So if they have a viral illness, if they have pneumonia, there's also many other reasons patients might need to have a breathing tube in, but um, in terms of COVID, those are usually the biggest things. So if they're having low oxygen numbers, if they're in respiratory distress, having trouble breathing, um, that's when a ventilator would be introduced. Um, there's lots of um, new evidence that has come through. Um, things have even changed. You know, in March we were doing things a certain way, and now new evidence has come out, and now we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, but that's kind of worst worst case scenario. Essentially, um, the most that the most support the patient needs for oxygenation and breathing um, would be for a ventilator. For sure. So since you work in healthcare you've obviously had the COVID no swab. Yes. <laughs> Ballpark. Can you even guess how many swabs you've had since this has started? Oh, I mean, I've had a decent amount. Um, anytime we have any symptom, you know, even a sore throat warrants a swab, right? Um, before COVID, usually a sore throat or a headache or nausea or, you know, abdominal pain wouldn't be considered too significant, but because of COVID, so many symptoms now are um, considered to be possibly COVID. So I've had many, many swabs um, done uh, over the past couple of months. <laughs> Not very fun. <laughs> no. The best way that I had it explained to me is it's not exactly a pain it's because it's something unknown like you can try to stick your finger that far up your nose you're not going to get that far you don't ever have that kind of sensation back there so the last time you and i talked you had been given the advice to hum when you get your covid test so i had to get a covid test this week because i did have symptoms it came back negative everyone no need to worry and i yeah. hummed and it actually did help. This was my sixth swab that I've had done. And mm -hmm. I hummed and I was like, wait a minute. That was actually really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. A, a friend of a colleague of mine and a friend had told me that and I had never heard of this before. And um, I hummed while I got my swab and it did help a little bit. I mean, it's still uncomfortable, but 
um, I found a I found a good picture and a resource from Ottawa Public Health explaining about the nose swab. So it's called an NP swab, like a nasal pharyngeal swab, and it shows how far the swab has to go back into the nose. It essentially goes up the nose into the back of the throat along the tract there, which is very uncomfortable. Um, and the reason they have to swab so far back there is that's where the virus kind of makes house. That's where it's living in your body, um, and very like if someone was sick with the flu, such as influenza, it lives in the same spot. And this is actually a swab that we do for influenza or other viral illnesses as well. So I was completing NP swabs on patients before COVID for, you know, if the doctor thought they might've had influenza, but I'd never had them done until before COVID. So they're not very comfortable. I try to warn my patients as much as possible. And, um, I think the more that they can be prepared without, obviously you don't want to worry them too much, but I think it helps when they're more prepared. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of what they said. It almost kind of is like that really annoying feeling when you get water in the back of your nose and it's just mm -hmm. Ugh, for a second. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is. So exactly, it's more the fear of the unknown because it's such a weird feeling. You've never felt a sensation back there before. So it's just unknown yeah. and I think the anxiety is higher too with social media people post on Facebook Instagram Twitter whatever other social platform about how uncomfortable it was and someone who hasn't had a swab before feels anxious and now they need a swab because they have symptoms and all they can think about is the post that they read about how uncomfortable it was and so I think um, because we're so active on social media there's so many places you can read where how uncomfortable it is and it is uncomfortable you know I tell my patients that when I'm swabbing them I said this is not going to be comfortable and I apologize but and then I just have to swab them <laughs> you got to do your job at the end of the day right yes yes exactly so one of my last questions is during any sort of pandemic during flu season during cold season when patients come in who are high risk because they have low immune systems they have pre-existing health conditions what are some of the steps too similar that you would have to follow in order to protect them and also anyone with a pre-existing health condition and high-risk patient what should they be doing as well at home to help protect themselves yeah that's a really good question and it's obviously very prominent in everything that's going on now um, people are living older with lots of health conditions that make them high risk of getting lots of different illnesses, including COVID. And because of how contagious COVID is, and you know, because it's so prevalent in our community, um, depending where you live, um, patients are obviously quite concerned about it. Which you know, I, I definitely understand their concern. Um, so people who are high risk, um, we try to limit their contact with other patients as much as possible. Um, this can be challenging at times because you know the emergency department gets so busy and we see such high volumes of patients. Um, but if someone, you know, is immunocompromised for whatever reason, let's say they're receiving chemotherapy for cancer, um, they really shouldn't be sitting with other patients, you know, even with wearing masks, we still have to be very careful. And it's all about preventing. We, um, you know, if young people get COVID, a lot of the time they're probably going to be okay because they're so healthy under, they have such good health as an underlying thing. But people with um, who are immunocompromised, you know, if they get even a common cold or flu, you know, that could be it for them or they could spend months in hospital on end. So it's really all about preventing and helping keep them safe. And, um, and you know, and that continues on into the community. So if you have a lot of health conditions, 
you know, you, you might be want to be more cautious when you're at the grocery store. You might not want to take, you know, take part in high risk activities like eating inside of a restaurant or eating on a patio, um, that kind of stuff. Anywhere where you could be in contact with people where you're not wearing a mask. Um, or hopefully you have family members who can um, help you. Maybe a family member can do groceries for you. It's always helpful to have that kind of support, but um, definitely depends on the patient situation, obviously. But yeah, our number one priority is keeping them safe and trying to prevent these illnesses before they happen. Exactly. So obviously with everything that's going on, proper research from medical professionals and listening to medical professionals is key. Obviously things are changing, but the people are in the right place doing the right research, providing knowledge to those who need it. And we're seeing it every day. So thank you, Keely, for everything you have been doing. Thank you to all the frontline workers, no matter who you are, where you are, what your job title or position, you are what's been keeping us going. And we thank you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, being called a frontline worker, obviously, in my profession is very true and telling. But I also think about, you know, grocery store workers and people who are working at pharmacies, you know, they're there. It's not the same type of frontline, but they're on the frontline as well. They're essential, you know, and uh, they're, you know, considered to be also in high risk situations. So it's it's really amazing the way that we've all come together as a community and uh, the frontline. And I agree with you said about everything um, about the science and I know there's been some frustration with um, the community, I think as a whole, or even all of Canada, about the research that's constantly changing and it's hard to keep up and you start to question what's right. And uh, I think what I try to remember when I'm trying to keep up with everything when things are changing daily or hourly is the only thing that can dispute science is better science. So although things are changing and it's hard to keep up, it's important to know that people care about our health and they're doing the research to figure out what the best things are. And some people get frustrated and saying, well, you told us this and now you're telling us this. Um, but it's important to know that they've found, you know, there's been new research and new studies that have shown that this works. So we're gonna keep doing that. Um, and I also think it's really important for us to listen to the experts and, you know, they look at the studies and they know how to apply it. So. I think that's really important. Exactly. Make sure you're listening to the medical professionals. And at the end of the day, just remember, care about one another. It's yeah. not about me. It is about we. And that is how we are going to get through this. For sure. I Perfect. agree. And if, you know, we are all in this together, we all have to have this type of um, cautious behavior if we want to get through, right? There's, we don't have any other choice but to work together. So um, I think that's what we're doing and we're doing a good job, but it's, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to be a long way to the finish line and we're just hopeful and, uh, you know, very appreciative of what we have and with our family and, uh, our friends who are there to support us. So. Perfect. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Keely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate, um, the chance to speak about this stuff and about some of my experiences and, uh, thanks for reaching out. Not a problem. All right. Well, hopefully maybe we'll have you again on the podcast sometime. Maybe there'll be some other things changing. Maybe there'll be something else for us to talk about. Who knows? But either way, thank you for joining us on Desks and Dusters. Again, thank you so much, Nurse Keeley. Thank you to everybody who has been working on the front lines. We cannot get through this without you. You are the ones who have been keeping us moving. You're the ones that have been giving us hope. You're the ones that have been keeping us on our feet, getting products moving keeping us healthy no matter where you are, no matter how 
big you think your role is, no matter how small you think your role is, it's important. And we thank all of our frontline workers. Now, the reason we chose to talk about PPE is because this is something you could also get at PBJ Cleaning Depot. Now, the only thing is we saw a lot of shortages in the first wave of COVID. We saw the toilet paper, we saw the paper towel, we saw the facial tissues, we saw food emptied on the grocery shelves, we saw there was no availability of cleaners because of the panic. Heading into the second wave, I think we all have a better understanding and there's less panic, which is awesome. However, we are seeing our first shortage from suppliers. We have been informed that disposable gloves, your poly gloves, your vinyl gloves, Nitec, nitrile gloves, they are getting harder and harder and harder to come by. And yes, there is now a shortage with disposable gloves. So if you are someone who uses disposable gloves as PPE in your everyday work, let us know. We will try to do our best to help stock you up. We are letting people know when we're getting next shipments in, when we can see it, so you guys have an understanding as well. So if you are in need of stuff like that, make sure you give us a call, 519-291-6513, and let's help you get stocked up on your disposable gloves before they get even harder and harder and unfortunately maybe even not possible to come by for a short period of time. The other thing you guys can get from us is your disposable masks. And what's awesome is we have disposable masks in both adult and youth sizes. So depending on the size of your face, some people find the youth masks actually fit them better. And some people find the adult masks fit them better. Doesn't matter. They're there for everybody. We also have all your sanitizers and your disinfectants to help keep clean. Hand soaps. No shortage on paper towel, everyone. Don't worry. We've got lots. Don't even need to worry there. We've got facial tissue because it is getting to that sniffly season. A lot of allergies are coming out. We all know cold season has probably already dropped in on a couple of us. I know it's dropped in on me. So we're going to need that facial tissue and of, course, and, of course, toilet paper. No shortages on paper product this time. Trust me, we've talked to our suppliers. There is no shortage there. It's only on gloves right now. So that's more of your medical PPE and your daily PPE. But did you know you can get other personal protective equipment from PBJ Cleaning Depot? You guys might have seen this month that we had the neon reflective rain suits on sale. Still on sale. They're great if you are a transportation driver, if you're transporting goods of any sorts. If you are stuck on the side of the road, there's inclement weather, you want to make sure that you are seen. A bright neon rain suit is going to make sure that you are seen by other vehicles on the road, whether it's foggy, whether it's raining, whether it's snowy. We've got you there. Make sure that you are using PPE properly and that you and your employees are safe. You can also get your hard hats from us. We also have protective eyewear, such as goggles, different things like that, mechanic gloves, lots of different other sorts of gloves that aren't disposable, your material gloves. All that stuff, too, can come from us. Your earplugs, all that kind of stuff. So let's talk PPE, personal protective equipment, in your workplace. Let's see how we can help you. So remember, 
you have any questions, you want to know what we have, maybe you're curious if we can get something for you, we're definitely going to go the extra mile to make sure that we can. And we're going to do our best to see where we can get it for you. Make sure that we guys are bringing you proper PPE as well. We are doing lots of research, you guys. We are checking recall lists. We are making sure that we are up to date with what the ministry is recommending and what the government's recommending. And we are making sure that we are bringing you guys top of the line product. So you got a question about personal protective equipment? Maybe it's on your daily usages now. Maybe it's in the workplace. 519-291-6513. You know where to find us. So this has been a great, great episode. Another very educational episode where we had another fantastic expert from the field come in and be able to let us have an inside look of what is going on. Again, thank you, Nurse Keeley. And until then, enjoy the sunshine. Get outside. Go for a walk. And have a good day. Be sure to catch guests and testers on all your favorite podcast platforms like CastBox, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Join us for Desks and Dusters, through PPJ Cleaning Depot, every other week.